The pre-med path can be super confusing. If you'd love some help on your path or on your applications, use the promo code PMY for pre-med years, PMY over at medicalschoolhq.net and get some help from some of our experts, former directors of admissions, admissions officers, other experts. We have a small team ready to help you today. Again, that's promo code PMY to get a discount on our services at medicalschoolhq.net. If you're applying to medical school in 2022 to start medical school in 2023, join me Wednesday or Thursday, Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Eastern or Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern at premedworkshop.com. Go register today. I'm gonna show you how to tell your story in your application. Again, that's premedworkshop.com. If you are applying to medical school in 2022, be there or be square. The Pre-Med Year, session number 302. Hello and welcome to The Pre-Med Years, which is part of the MedEd Media Network, where we believe that collaboration, not competition, is key to your success. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Gray, and in this podcast, we share with you stories, encouragement, and information that you need to know to help guide you on your path to becoming a physician. Now, welcome, welcome to the pre-med years. As I mentioned at the beginning, my name is Dr. Ryan Gray, and I'm your host here every week where I interview amazing physicians like last week with BJ Miller, a palliative care and hospice specialist. A couple weeks ago, I interviewed Dr. Carmona, who was a high school dropout and homeless and went to serve in the military and then worked his way up to Surgeon General of the United States, the highest spot for a physician in the US. And then I take podcasts like today where I answer your questions. I went on to Instagram. If you don't follow me on Instagram, I would love for you to follow me on Instagram. My username on Instagram is Medical School HQ. Easy to find me. I have 7,400 followers. I need to get up to 10,000. I get some extra cool features. So if, if only a small fraction of you start to follow me on Instagram, I would appreciate it. So on Instagram, I posted in my story today that I wanted to do a Q&A podcast for today. And you guys did not disappoint. I got a ton of great questions and we are just going to rapid fire go through them. So let's start with our first question. Our first question is, how strongly do you suggest visiting all, more than half, or at least a few medical schools before applying to them? All right, so that's the question. There was some more information, but let's just call that the question. Ideally, you visit medical schools before you apply to them. You can't get an idea of the vibe of the medical school, the culture of the medical school, by reading online. Now, hopefully, we at medicalschoolhq.net, I at medicalschoolhq.net, will have a tool for you in the future. You'll be able to go to medschoolreviews.com and, and see medical students' reviews of their school and the type of support they have and the culture and everything else at the school. That is in the works. But the best way is you travel to and you go to the medical school. How feasible is it to do that? It's not at all. Obviously, you're in school. If you're in school, if you're a non-traditional student and you're working and then you have to work, if you have family, you have family, 
it's not feasible. If you're local to some medical schools, I would highly, highly recommend you go to those schools, you contact them, you find out about open houses, etc. But it's not very feasible to go to all of the medical schools that you're applying to, half of the medical schools you're applying to, or even a lot of the medical schools you're applying to. Typically, uh, you will uh, not be able to to see all the medical schools. So that's where you do a lot of research and you figure out what you can figure out before by looking on social media, looking on the school's websites, etc. All right, how do how to do well as an older non-trad to take sciences when they're not one's strength? Practice, 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 tutors, tutors, tutors. You just gotta put your head down, figure it out. Use Khan Academy, Go find, if it's like something like organic chemistry, use a site like Leia for Sci, where she has amazing YouTube videos to help. There are plenty of resources out there. Ask for help. A lot of students don't know how to ask for help. You need to ask for help. All right, what are my thoughts on an SMP? An SMP is something that you can do if your grades aren't good enough. It's a special master's program. The GPA counts as graduate level coursework, not undergraduate level coursework. So it's not going to affect your undergraduate GPA, but it's a way to prove to medical schools, assuming you do very well in it, it's a way to prove to medical schools and to prove to yourself that you are ready for it. In-person MCAT course during the semester for accountability, worth it? First attempt was poor. So MCAT courses... MCAT tutoring, MCAT prep is completely personal. So this student says for accountability, and that's a key part there. Some students need that accountability. They need that class where they know somebody's going to be waiting for them. There's some sort of roster sitting in a brick and mortar building somewhere where the student knows that if, I, if I'm not there, somebody's gonna know I'm not there, and they need that accountability. If you don't have that discipline to sit at home and do the self-paced MCAT prep, then you probably should go to an in-person course. If you don't have the the ability to travel to an in-person course, maybe there's not one local to you, then maybe doing a live online course may help as well. There's also tutoring. Right, It all depends on what your level. Like Tutoring is the ultimate level of accountability where you're meeting one-on-one with somebody. So it's very personal. Think about what you need. The question would tell me that you would need an in-person course because of the accountability. Uh, here's, here's a question. What kind of information do you offer on your personal pre-med coaching services? I'll go ahead and answer this. A lot of people had this question. Um, I help students with their personal statements. I help students with their interview prep. I help students with their general applications. You can go check it all out at store.medicalschoolhq.net. Would you suggest a second bachelor's or a master's when trying to finish prereqs? I ask because it's difficult for non-degree students needing prereqs. So which is best route? A second bachelor's degree typically is overkill. You typically don't need a second bachelor's degree. The The key part of the, the, the question is the non-degree seeking students. Nobody said that you can't register to take another degree and, and, and finish another degree and then you just don't finish. Nobody said you can't do that. 
so a lot of schools will limit your ability to register for courses if you are a non-degree-seeking student. They want to reserve spots for students who are seeking degrees. And so you go and you say, hey, I'm going to do a biology degree now after I finish my chemistry degree because I'm crazy. And that's what I want to do. And then you take the prereqs that you need and then you say, ah, just kidding, I'm done. Uh, so that's possible. You can do that. Uh, is it worth a master's? No, probably not. Uh, probably not. Is it okay to talk to your interviewer about your interest in palliative care? Of course it is. I wouldn't force it in there if it comes up about what you're interested in. Sure, talk about it. Is getting a BSN for RNs uh, on an online program uh, affect the application outlook? Uh, it's online program. It's it's for your nursing degree. It doesn't cover your prereqs, so it really isn't going to affect your application. Your prereqs probably should not be online. Most schools don't accept online courses for that. What should uh, freshman pre-meds focus on? Freshmen should focus on doing well in their classes. Freshmen should focus on being college students. Once you figure out how to be a good college student, how to do well in your courses, then you can start adding extracurriculars on top of it. One of the biggest mistakes that freshmen make is adding too much too fast to their plate. Do med schools look to see if you were in honors colleges? No. What should I ask advisors of other med schools from other states? What should I ask advisors of other med schools from other states? I don't know. Ask them what you need to know. That one of the issues is when you are reaching out to medical schools, a lot of students will ask just complete bogus BS questions because they're like, oh, if I, if I initiate contact, they're going to see that I'm motivated and want to come to the school. Yeah, but if you ask a Dumbo question, then they're probably going to think that you're not trying very hard and you're just wasting their time. So don't ask silly questions that you can easily look up. What do you do if your advisor doesn't believe in you? How do you still get a good letter? You don't from your advisor. Here's the problem with advisors, and I did a podcast episode about this, about what your, what your pre-med advisor is not there to do. Your pre-med advisor is not there to tell you no. Your pre-med advisor is there to help you figure out what you need to do based on where you are right now. So if your advisor is not willing to write you a letter, great, go get your own letters. You don't need that advisor's letter. How detailed do institutional action statements need to be to match the violation? Um, they need to be as detailed as possible to explain the situation. How do you prepare for the MCAT if you go to a community college and when should we take the MCAT? You prepare for the MCAT just like everybody else. Doesn't matter if you're in community college, if you are in honors college, if you're at Harvard college, wherever you are, you study for the MCAT the same way. You get some books. You, you learn the material, you do well in your, your core classes, you hopefully maybe get a study group, and you take practice tests to prepare yourself for the MCAT. When should, when should you take it? No later than March or April of the year that you are planning to apply. That allows you to get your score back, it allows you to figure out where you stand before you hit that submit button. The later that you take it, the later that your application is considered complete. So be careful with that. As a Canadian non-trad, if I go to, if I have to go international for medical school, where is my best option? U.S.? Probably not. Uh, U.S. is hard to get into, especially for Canadian students. 
the Caribbean probably is the best bet if you have to go international. Now for US students, uh, just to give you kind of a behind the scenes, Canada, they don't have a lot of medical schools. And Canada's medical schools are highly provincial. If you think about our our public medical schools, each state has a public medical school or some states have public medical schools. They are very biased towards their in-state applicants. Same thing in Canada with the provinces. So it's very hard, uh, especially if you're in a province with just one medical school, it's very hard to get into. Is there such thing as studying for the MCAT too early? Definitely. A lot of students will start freshman year with their Bio 1, Chem 1, and they'll have a MCAT book with them just to kind of browse through to see what kind of content, what kind of questions are framed around the content that they're learning in classes. That's okay. I wouldn't go deep into question banks and full-length exams too early because you're just going to forget that stuff. So don't don't worry about it too soon. Is it true that with a high GPA and MCAT score, you either get in the top 10 or nowhere? That's absolutely not true. I have a gap in volunteering, but now I am volunteering again. Is that a red flag? How to go about it? Consistency is best. It's great that you're volunteering again. I wouldn't explain anything. It's just, it is what it is. At a med school fair, what's the best way to start a relationship with a school in the ten, uh, five to 10 minutes that you have? Um, so you have the conversation, you introduce yourself, you talk about why you're interested in a school, you ask them questions about uh, what they're looking for in applicants. They hopefully will write down your email address. Maybe you have some cards to give them, some sort of, of information. A lot of medical schools will keep a little book and write down names and email addresses of students that they've interacted with. You just do your best to, to just say hello and that you're interested in the school and, and see what they have to tell you. That's all you do. Why did you choose to stop practicing medicine? Now, some of you may know or may not know that I don't practice medicine anymore. I podcast and I help students and I coach or I teach at the medical school, uh, the University of Colorado Medical School. And so I do that full time now. And I stopped practicing medicine. I got out of the military partly because of some health issues. I originally was diagnosed with MS. And at this point, that was four plus years ago. I don't think it's MS. I think I just had some random demyelinating incident. Uh, a lot of times it's called clinically isolated syndrome. But at the time, we didn't know that it wasn't MS. And so the thought of going back and doing a residency with this new diagnosis of, of quote unquote MS was a little bit scary. And so we decided to give this podcasting thing a go. And I'm glad I did because I'm here every day for you guys. Best thing to do as an applicant to increase chances of getting an interview post-submission. Uh, you can't really do anything post-submission. I mean, that's not true, but the, the best thing to do is just to wait and see. The best thing to do is freshman year, you're doing well in your classes, you're getting good grades, you're preparing for the MCATs, you're writing a good personal statement. By the way, my, my book, The Pre-Med Playbook Guide to the Medical School Personal Statement is now available everywhere, Barnes & Noble, Amazon. It's finally, finally out into the wild. So go check that out. But post-interview or post-submission, there's really not much you can do to increase your chances of getting an interview. I always talk about advocating for yourself. Great, but I don't want all of you to go out and, and email all of the schools that you've applied to and say, hey, I'm advocating for myself um, because that's just not what you need to do. There are certain situations where it may be useful 
but I won't talk about those in this small section of answering that question. In daily struggles, how do you consistently remind yourself that you want to be a physician? It's a great question. Something, uh, one of the kind of the reasons why we started Med Diaries, and if you don't know, you go to meddiaries.com. We're starting pre-med diaries, med student diaries, residency diaries, or resident diaries, and physician diaries. And it's it's going to be uh, a podcast where you are the star of the show. You call in 833-MY-DIARY. You leave up to a 30-minute voicemail explaining your situation, like this question. I, I'm struggling right now, and I, I don't know why I'm doing this, and I'm, I'm having a hard time remembering why I want to do this. And you leave that, and then we, we talk about it on the podcast, and we elicit some feedback from the audience. So how do you do it? You continually put yourself around patients. I think one of the biggest mistake that, mistakes that students make when they're studying for the MCAT is they shut out everything else, and they say, I'm only studying for the MCAT. Well, guess what? When you only study for the MCAT, you're going to go crazy because you're not putting yourself around patients, which are the people who are going to remind you why you are studying for the MCAT. So think of that big picture. Think about the impact that you're going to make on somebody's grandmother, somebody's daughter, somebody's son, etc. Will published undergrad research help me match into residency programs in the future? Potentially, yes. What are the chances for admission with a 3.4 GPA and a 510 MCAT? Thank you. Uh, I don't answer those questions. I think anybody who answers those questions doesn't know anything about anything because you can't answer that question. Your chances are whatever they are. You can look back at historical data and say that in the past three years, the AAMC has this data. If you Google AAMC facts, you can find some tables and charts, and you can see historical data that shows students with a 3.4 and a 510 plus, uh, what their chances of admissions were. But it doesn't tell you what your chances are because there's so much more to an application than MCAT and GPA. And if it's it's my mission in this world to, to make sure that I, I get it across to you guys that you are more than your MCAT and more than your GPA. Now, I'm excited for the future... Uh, a potential collaboration with Student Doctor Network. I had a great conversation with Dr. Lee Burnett, who founded Student Doctor Network, about how we can make Student Doctor Network better for you. And that's one of my biggest contentions are the what are my chances threads on Reddit, on Student Doctor Network. I think they all need to go because students worry about too much about what are my chances and not about actually going and doing the work to improve your chances. So... Uh, That's my thought about that. I am interested in military medicine. How do I get the process started on HPSB? You have to find a military medical recruiter. So just Google medical recruiter, Air Force, Army, Navy, and get that process started. Talk to a recruiter. Tips on deciding which medical school interviews to attend after receiving multiple acceptances. That is a good one. Um, So if you are lucky enough to have multiple medical school acceptances, the question that should be running through your mind when you get another interview invite is is do do a little visualization exercise. Visualize yourself getting that acceptance letter from that school that's inviting you for an interview. Are you more excited about that invitation or that acceptance rather than you are about the acceptances that you already have? Don't go just because they're like, oh, they invited me, you don't know. Here's the other thing. 
you don't know, it, kind of going back to the original question of should you go and, and travel to these schools and figure it out, you don't know the medical schools until you go and visit them. So I wouldn't, if you have the financial means to go on these interviews, I would go. Unless you went to an interview, you got the acceptance, and you knew leaving that school that you're like, this is my school. I would be 100% happy if I get an acceptance here, and you got an acceptance there, and you're good. If you know that in your heart, great, turn them all down. But if you're like, yeah, I got acceptances, nothing really stood out, it's a great school, good students, etc., then maybe go and see more. I have a great story of a student who went on an interview to a school that was last on her list, and she left with that school now at the top of her list because of what she experienced on interview day. So don't, uh, don't count out the schools until you actually go. So if you have the financial means, if you have the time, I would go on as many as you can. How to know when to keep pushing forward or when to just go with your plan B? Great question. Don't have a plan B. Now, I get some flack for this, but I will stand by it 100%. If you want to be a physician, then be a physician and don't have a plan B. Don't. Because when you have a plan B, this question pops up, right? Oh, things are getting hard. Maybe I should just go with plan B. Guess what? When you do that, you don't put as much effort into plan A, and you are sabotaging yourself. So get rid of plan B. If this is what you are meant to do, if you are meant to be a physician, then be one. Figure it out. It may take a little bit longer than you want. Oh, well. At the end of the day, you're going to be a physician. What is the biggest challenge you faced when you were applying to medical school? So for me, it was just a lack of understanding, which is one of the reasons why I started the website and the podcast to begin with. I didn't really understand the whole process. I didn't understand that you needed shadowing and clinical experience and all that fun stuff. So I think it was just a general lack of understanding. You have to remember, I applied back in 2001. The internet wasn't as solid as it is now. So the information is out there now. It wasn't as readily available when I applied. What is your advice when considering the HPSP Air Force Scholarship related to future residency? So one thing that you have to understand, if you're going to do HPSP, you have to apply to the military match as well as the civilian um, heiress match. And the military match will kind of dictate what happens to your future. So you have to understand that. They kind of control. If you want, if you know in your heart that you want to be a dermatologist, guess what? It's hard to get dermatology in the military and in civilian. It's a lot harder in the military. And so they may go, yeah, no, you can't be a dermatologist. You have to go be a general practice flight surgeon, which is what they told me after I applied for orthopedics, which is, again, one an, another super competitive field. So that's one thing to keep in mind with uh, HPSP and future residency. If you know that you want to go into primary care, have at it. Do it. Does a school increase your chances of getting into a certain residency? It may, very small. Uh, it may expose you to a residency program, to a residency director, to potential uh, residents who may have some influence on their program to help you get in. But the name of the school has very, very, very small effect on your residency chances. What was the most defining moment in life that showed your calling to medicine? So for me, 
I originally wanted to be a physical therapist. I hurt my shoulder playing baseball in high school, and I said, ooh, I want to be a physical therapist. I can help people get back to their their level of functioning, right? I can help people get back to the sport that they love. And then I dissected a cat, and the rest is history. And then I wanted to be an orthopedic surgeon, and look at me now, I'm a podcaster. Nontrad wondering when to apply ASAP or add a year for less financial stress. Less financial stress is good. ASAP, as we're recording this, it's September 4th. It's late in the application cycle already, so I would delay just because of that. Is it a good idea to get a letter of recommendation from a physician you have shadowed for MD schools? Definitely good to have letters of recommendations from physicians or a letter of recommendation from a physician. It doesn't hurt to gather as many letters as possible, store them in Airfolio, and when you're ready to apply, select the letters that you want to use eventually. What do I do if my pre-med advisor isn't helpful in telling me I shouldn't go to medical school? You ignore them. It's very easy. Ignore the naysayers. Just ignore them. Don't go back. My pre-med advisor told me not to apply to medical school because I was a white male. I had a good GPA. I had an okay MCAT. I didn't have that MCAT score when I was talking to her because it was very early on. She was like, don't apply to medical school. You won't get in. So I ignored her and I applied to medical school. And look at me now. I'm a podcaster. Is there a certain GPA cutoff you'd recommend for a postback or an SMP? Not really. I, I think less than a 3.0, you're probably looking to do something to improve your GPA. There's a lot that goes into a GPA, though. Uh, if you look at the old Premeds podcast very early on, we did an episode about GPA, about how your GPA isn't just your GPA. There's a lot more that goes into it. What to do if you haven't volunteered all your undergrad until senior year? Uh, you volunteer as much as you can, and you hope that they don't ask about it. But consistency is key when it comes to every sort of thing in your application. Shadowing, clinical experience, volunteering, all of those things, consistency with those is very, very important. All right, I got through all of them as far as uh, what I got uh, while I was inter- or while I was recording this podcast. So uh, hopefully I answered your question and hopefully you enjoyed the answers and this podcast. I enjoyed this format going through really fast through all of those questions. I'm loving Instagram. Again, go follow me, Medical School HQ. Send me a DM. Let me know that you heard about me on this podcast and that you're following me now. I would love to say hello. I hope you have a great week. We'll see you next time here on the Pre-Med Years Podcast. (laughs) 